Cars today are safer, more reliable, and packing more technology than ever before. But if you're looking for an appliance on wheels, this isn't your show. We want to help everyone find a car they'll really love, capable on the commute, and a laugh on your favorite road. If you take the long way home, this is for you. New cars, used cars, whatever your budget, whatever your needs, if you like to drive, we want to help. I'm Todd. I'm Paul. And this is the Everyday Driver Car Debate. Our Patreon supporters might be asking why we have yet to debate for them. Because they give us money, they support us, and I don't think up to this point we've actually debated for our Patreon supporters. You know that? That's true. We haven't had a whole lot of them write in, but but we're solving that tonight for a couple that have. Yes. Uh, this is going to be fun because we've got two. As a matter of fact, Cesar in New York City, which is... Uh, you know, I don't think we've ever debated somebody who lives, actually lives in New York City because he's got a couple of, uh, uh, well, he's got a, a few different twists in here, and that's because he doesn't currently own a car. His girlfriend does. So, yep. you know, people yep. obviously living in the big city, their needs are different, but he's got uh, some good choices in here. He's been driving some things and wants to know what we think of the choices and curious to know what mm -hmm. else we've got up our sleeves here. And then we've got Chris. Yeah, try to Chris, we've cards. talked to many times. Uh, just so you all know, um, on our Patreon uh, support, uh, at particular, uh, I think it's the uh, highest, highest level, we conduct a a um, hangout call, just a Google hangout call, just to talk yep. about cars. Every month, yeah. And that's uh, a monthly yeah, deal. Yeah. And we've talked to Chris a lot. And it's funny. He's got some great suggestions and uh, been fun to talk with him. And, and he's got a good garage things. to begin yeah, with. I mean, great. Chris has got great stuff already. I'm reading oh, down this, this list going, I'm sorry, I failed to see the problem. But anyway, <laughs> but we're glad to have uh, Chris's debate on the show yeah. tonight. But, you know, first, before we talk about this, we should talk about the big news. And we've talked about it all the way along. We've talked about the big news that has happened in our world in the last week. And I'm sure if you're listening to this, you've already read it a million places. We want to talk about it a bit. And that is... Of course, we talked about the end of Top Gear UK with the three hosts yeah, we all love. Yeah. And, of course, the resurgence is happening now. Amazon Prime, after all of the rumors, the rumors on Netflix were starting to get, oh, it's confirmed. Oh, it's confirmed <laughs> they're going to Netflix. That was the couple of weeks before the surprise curveball of Amazon Prime. But I have to say, I mean, I want to talk about this a little bit, but I have to say, the minute I read that announcement, I went, well, of course, Amazon, because here was the thing. I mean, you and I have talked about before watching the show from kind of, I mean, it started in, in 03 in the UK. I think we found it 04, maybe early 05. We found it early, early on for its resurgence yeah, yeah. under, uh, you know, Jeremy and his producing partner, Andy right, Willen. Right. But the thing is, the thing is, I had always gotten it here in the U.S., whatever weird download way I could mm -hmm. find. And I have mm -hmm. always said to Paul and others, if there was a way for me to get the UK version, which is the uncut by commercials, un-Americanized version in the US legally, I would do it. And for the longest time, there was no way to do it. Except this last season, before the debacle, the fracas, whatever you want to say, went down, all of a sudden it popped up on Amazon. And all of the past seasons were there on Amazon Prime. And then the new season, like you would buy Game of Thrones or whatever that would eventually wind up on Amazon, you could buy Top Gear and they would upload the new episode about 24 hours after it aired in England. And I was like, this is perfect. It makes a lot of so sense. Then now I that, agree. I, 
Yeah, especially with the back catalog. I mean, the back catalog used to be on Netflix. Now it's on Amazon. And, of course, you know, all that back catalog is not available for free. Some of them are for pay. Some of them are prime just to tease you. But this is really interesting because they will have not only the new stuff going forward but the old stuff. And Amazon, if you aren't following along in the Hollywood world and the weirdness, I mean, Netflix has, has had a huge just walked into Hollywood with a huge bat and been this everybody wants to work with Netflix. Amazon has been fighting for a piece of that uh, idea. And though they've gotten some success, this is going to be monstrous and worldwide. I'm floored. And you know what else I'm floored about is the money. Nothing like money talking Mm -hmm. here because the – they have been offered $250 million for 36 episodes, and that's what the news reports are saying here. Todd and I have have kind of diced this up and hashed it out and thought, you know, okay, we've broken it down into a per-episode basis. We've thought, all right, is that for all four of them? Is that all in for all of the producing that each episode needs to happen for salaries for producing the probably, episode probably. all of that stuff but i mean it's 7 it's 7 million an episode which which based on and i'm sure there's a way to break it down because of course they were on the bbc which is all public info but based on the info that i'm aware of i don't think 7 million was as much budget as they had for every single episode of the the bbc version so it's probably more and you know what they will probably end up doing is the same kind of thing well, I want a side note, come back to that thought, same kind of thing. But but they will probably have some episodes that cost more than others, too. So while you average it out at $7 million an episode, roughly, you may have some that cost 2 or 3 and you may have some that cost 15 But ultimately, I mean, if you want to compare this, you and I were talking about this the other day. Netflix, this is the best comparison. Netflix first season, 13 episodes of House of Cards, which had huge names in mm-hmm. it and was a major coup. And at the time Netflix made the deal on House of Cards, everybody in Hollywood thought they were insane. Okay? So Netflix first season of House of Cards was a $100 million budget. You divide that by 13, guess what? It's about $7 million an episode. Mm. But the thing you have to understand from a Hollywood production perspective is yes, there's a lot of flying and stuff and madness, but. I suspect it's actually far more expensive to shoot a house of cards. Think about all of the extras and the sets and all the stuff behind the scenes that makes up everything on House of Cards is built. Well, just a everything. lot more people. Just you a know, lot more people in exactly. each episode. Just and, all of the bodies uh, yeah. that are involved, just craft service and production and all of the behind-the-scenes stuff on a House of Cards is going to be a larger infrastructure than what gets a Top Gear episode done. So doing it at that same budget level for 36 episodes, that's three years, which interestingly enough was how long the re, uh, up contract was that those guys got when they were starting their last season. So it's, it's all very similar, and they are going to cash in so many ways I can't even fathom it. Well, uh, And, you yeah. know, uh, Clarkson famously said some sort of quote this past week. I'm going to get it wrong. Some sort of quote about talking about going from BBC to Amazon. He felt like he was going from a biplane to a space shuttle. But, you know, <laughs> the, it, it's a very different world. But, you know, you and I have talked about Everyday Driver on TV, and we've actually ha- continued to have ongoing conversations about it. And one of the yep, the, yep. the quasi-hurdles for a show like ours is the ability to be candid about cars. So these guys needed to be somewhere that's not going to be an issue. And that limits them to essentially Amazon and Netflix in the current players, unless you went to an HBO, but they wouldn't do that anyway. So this is fascinating. No, no. I Yeah, we've talked about uh, Everyday Driver on television, and we want to be forthcoming and honest about everything we do, you know, and our opinions about them and, and uh, you know, 
yeah, lar- larger conversation there in terms of, uh, you know, people wanting to have a producer's thumb on it, that kind of thing. You know, these guys deserve this kind of money because they've worked real hard and this brand will make Amazon money. I, I love the brilliance and you think, wow, that's just unbelievable money. And it is. But I, I do mm-hmm. feel like these guys, you know, after everything they've been through and, and uh, as good as the show is and as much as everybody loves it, here's the thing. And actually, Chance brought this up. Chance is our, uh, one of our shooters here in Utah. Yeah, and yeah, he said this is not going yeah, to be – this is not going to be Top Gear Part 2 or Top Gear as you know it. That is behind us. Well, of course not. This is of going to be not. a different show because only four people were named. Doubtful they'll bring the stig with them. But this is going to be a new format, no, something new. And you know what? As it should be. I don't think it should be, you know, hey, we're just moving channels and moving over to a different platform. And it's going to be something entirely, you know, the it, same. Yeah. It, and won't be, it won't be the it, same. It needs to be entirely different. It, it won't be the same show with those same guys. You know, you, you keep talking about four people. The fourth person in this scenario is Andy Willman. I mean, we're He's talking about Jeremy producer. and Andy Willman, who, yeah. who, who, let's be candid, those two guys were the primary creative driving force for Top Gear as we knew it. Those two guys. And then, of course, they brought right. in Richard and James. And that triumvirate of hosts is the thing a lot of us watch. So clearly, everybody's going to tune in initially for their demeanor and their banter. And I also expect that they will be a little more cut loose in some of the things they try to do. But Based on some of the things I've read over the years from Andy Willman, sometimes it seemed like they were struggling with wanting to try completely zany, off-the-wall, weird things that they couldn't do under the Top Gear banner. So what this will really be is these three guys that mainly have a bickering and travel program that kind of relates to cars <laughs> are going to do a new thing. And they can't they can't take the stig because Top Gear is a BBC brand and Top Gear magazine continues. They've already upped the uh, Top Gear YouTube channel with like the stig reviews. So they're embracing the stig full bore. What I'm curious to sure, see, yeah. not only will what these three guys make on Amazon not be Top Gear, but neither will whatever the BBC reboots. It'll be called Top Gear, <laughs> yeah. but you know that Chris Evans and those guys are going to do everything they can to remake it as a different thing. So Top Gear, as, as we knew it, is still dead. Oh, yeah. What's absolutely. interesting is the pieces are now fragmenting into new worlds, and it'll be fascinating to see, well, two things. What is it, and is it good on its own right? And I mean both the Amazon deal and also the resurgence of Top Gear with Chris Evans. Both of those I'm curious about. But then what will the backlash be, and I mean globally, as people realize they're not getting exactly what they expected from either one? I think people need to go into this, whatever that looks like. They need to go into it informed and aware, but you're right. Most people won't. They're just going to think, oh, it's just going to be the same thing, moved over to this new platform, and – you know, surprise, it's not going to be that way. I like that it's going mm-hmm. to be a fresh reboot. And, you know, as I talked about when I was uh, headed to Goodwood, the guy who drove me down there, uh, you know, I just asked him, hey, you know, what do the British think? What does England think of this? You know, Chris Evans being the new host yeah. and the guys going somewhere at that point, it hadn't been announced for Amazon. But uh, he, he said everybody mm-hmm. is pretty open yeah, yeah. to it. And not that he speaks for England, but I just said, hey, among your mates and, <laughs> yes, you know, what do you guys think? What is the what is the word on the street? And he yeah. said, I th- I think it's time for a change. I think it's you know everybody's pretty open for a fresh start, and you know whatever the new Top Gear with Chris looks like is people are going to embrace. 
hopefully, but then, you know, over here with the top tier mm-hmm. guys. And I've always thought when you turn your name, your own name into a brand, that's the point where you've really made it. I mean, these guys kind of oh, are you, you're a person as a an person individual. As an yeah, individual. Jeremy Clarkson, those his name those is a three brand. guys on a roster. That is the brand. You You're absolutely that? right. You're absolutely right. I just yep, I've yep, always yep. thought that. Well, on the f- the fact the fact that they held the line together. Yeah. That yeah. I think established them as a brand as the three of them. I mean, the minute that happened, they then instantly as a unit separated themselves from the Top Gear brand and became a hosting unit. It'll be really fascinating. And right. know, over the right. years I know this sounds weird, but over the years, my favorite host has actually become James May. And I've seen some other things he's done. He did a, a thing about James May on the moon, which was he went up in a U-2 bomber and a bunch of other wow. stuff. And wow. he was just amazing in that piece. If you've never seen it and you can find it, it is actually awesome. I really like him as a host. But those three guys and their rapport, that's what everybody's watching. And honestly, there will also be the, – the, the first episode of this will be enormous. Oh, yeah. It will blow <laughs> every record Amazon's <laughs> ever had because the thing is you'll have the people that are very curious because they watch Top Gear. You have the people that used to watch Top Gear but stopped for whatever reason. It got boring. It got predictable, whatever the, 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 the Internet reasons are, that are back to see if it's new and different. And then you'll have the people that are only watching because – Jeremy Clarkson became famous enough for punching somebody else that they read it on their random paper that has nothing to do with cars. <laughs> yeah. They'll watch it too. So that first episode will be like the Super Bowl for Amazon. It'll be fascinating to see what they do and what sticks. I agree. And, you know, I think the themes of being more of a uh, argumentative and travel and, you know, everything else besides the cars, car show. And then, by the way, yeah. there's some cool cars. And it's going to be hot, fun stuff. But meanwhile, you know, we're going to be keep doing what we're doing because we're having fun. And, of you course. know, that's what this car yeah. debate's all about. And so in the meantime, before we jump into the car debates, would you please take a moment and rate and review our podcast here? We really appreciate you listening. We appreciate your patronage yeah. and all your support because we're growing as well. And what I like about this whole scenario mm-hmm. is that people are continuing to search for car content. And while Top Gear is great entertainment, I still think it's going to be in that category, whereas we're over here wanting to help people spend their yeah. money well and buy something that's really yeah, going to be fun. Definitely. You know? so, well, and we try really hard to give people the sense of what these cars are really like to drive. I mean, exactly. we realize we are, uh, frankly, so lucky, very blessed many days, it feels like, to get to drive the cars that we do. And so to, to try to relate that to others because, you know, we want everybody to have that experience. So yeah. we're, we're, I mean, we're trying to help you, you – how many podcasts have we done where people have talked about they couldn't find the car they wanted to drive in their area, they're trying to test drive it and they can't <laughs> yeah. find it or whatever? We want to help you get into that car you love. So, yes, please rate the podcast, share it with your friends. Remember, this is the Everyday Driver car debate. If you find just Everyday Driver on iTunes, that's just old postings. We push out videos just to help get the name out there every now and then. That's not the podcast to rate. It's this one, the car debate. Thank you for finding it and listening. And yeah, rate it, because when you do, you wouldn't believe how much it matters. So Caesar is up in New York City, and uh, he wrote a tome here. <laughs> this is a full novel yeah, he did, about yes. what he's looking for and a few things that he's test-driven. He's got a good list here, but he's written in, and the reason is he's kind of looking for uh, a specific need here. And that's it's because his girlfriend has a Mazda 3 Grand Touring, so pretty new, 2014, as a matter of fact. Sounds like uh, just our help and just the reviews and our suggestions help them pick that up for her. And so she drives that around, and they like yeah. it a lot. 
but he's feeling the itch to own something that's fun and he, well he lives close drive. to Manhattan well, I mean he's he, not he doesn't drive it very much. he doesn't need a car right he doesn't need a car he wants a fun car that's the itch he's got he's got ability to just commute he hops on the train and he's done so there's no commuting car needed so here he is in New York they have the normal car for when they need it and he's just like all right I need the fun car he's owned I think this is interesting he owned a Nissan 370Z and he owned a 2010 Subaru WRX. I've got And he uh, thought the Nissan 350. Was it 350 or yeah, owned? Sorry, did I? Yeah, 350. He owned a 2003 350. 350 and then okay, he's got yeah. a 20, 2010 uh, WRX. And the thing I find fascinating is he calls out the 350 as not as fun as he hoped it would be, <laughs> which was kind of our assessment. Yeah. And then the Subaru WRX was actually significantly more fun than the 350. Now, there's, there's cool things about the 350, but I, I maintain that I actually line up pretty much with his commentary here. I Every time I drive one, I'm kind of like, yeah, okay, fun, mm-hmm. but should be better, which is what the 370 is. The 370 is a really good refinement of that car. But he liked the WRX more, so he's like, all right, I need a weekend car, and that's the key thing, weekend car. Road trips with his girlfriend, twisty fun that roads. Stuck out. He likes small, he likes agile. He's got the ability to run around and have a little bit of fun here, and he's got, he's saying... No more than $25,000, but the first car he lists as things he's driven and looked at, did you notice this, is a M3, 2009 M3 yeah. at thirty three k. So that says to me that for the right car, he might stretch to thirty grand. Okay. But he's driven okay. some stuff. He likes some stuff. Where are you on this? This is an interesting. He's got a weird list of things. that The stuff he's driven that he calls out he does. is kind of all over the well, map. Well, it sounds, Caesar, like you're kind of open to new. You're kind of open to used, but it's got to depend on... The price and you know a lot of good factors to line up, and I I like that you've driven that M3. Yeah, on the expensive side, thirty three k. Try the manual if you get a chance. Try the manual in that car, even though yes, that uh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that auto that dual clutch there is fantastic. I yeah, it's. Um, I, the I DCT is very good. BMW's DCT is very good. I do agree with I, that. I yeah. still say you've got to drive the manual to get the full full thorough taste of that car. But his comment in here is it felt like a money pit, which it could be. He's also driven a new 228i. Would be for gas mileage. Oh, yeah, just for gas alone, just for that V8. Uh, 2015 228, so great car. We love that car. Driven it in uh, a few variants now. Um, It just depends on how much do you like it. Are you willing to pay the premium for that car? And then, of course, the usual yeah. suspects, the GTI and the Fiesta ST on here. I've liked that you've started to drive things, Caesar. I like that you've, you're starting to get mm-hmm. into things. Mm-hmm. And uh, still in the decision-making process, you know what stuck out in, in here is the fact that he wants a car he can do weekend road trips. That seems important to him. He wants twisty roads, small, nimble, all that stuff. But yep. that just seemed like an important factor to, to consider for us. And so... You know, he's listed the BRZ slash FRS. Um, you know, he's asking yeah, you know, he's asked, how you're yeah, liking yours. about that. <laughs> um, and and I, am, I am. I am. I, but I, yeah, I'm, I'm loving it, actually. But but here's the thing. I, the Fiesta ST was the most funny head behind the wheel. I find that fascinating. It's an interesting commentary on that car yet again. But then he's looking around and going, do I want to take this car on a road trip? Right. And concluding... Right. Probably not. In fact, his comment here, I love this. He says, the interior makes my old 2010 WRX feel premium. (laughs) Ouch. Ouch. Oh, my gosh. So anyway, so that is that is a problem. That does suggest that he wants something that feels a little bit nicer. And and I get the sense, look, he and his girlfriend are probably going to go on a decent road trip somewhere kind of cool. And 
the Fiesta ST, which is going to be a blast for you, you're going to get anywhere but a fun uh, road, and she's going to look at you like, why do you have this car again? <laughs> I mean, that's a car. My... Here's the thing. My wife, who who over you know every every day as we move more and more into cars, she gets it more and more, and I love her for it. But honestly, she can't get past this Fiesta ST. I've got to get her a riding one because she keeps looking at it and going, "Okay, really? Yeah. That car? Yeah. You know? I so that that is a serious uphill battle with the Fiesta ST. And you know what? I like the BRZ FRS. Obviously, I bought one. Of course, I got to say I like it. Yes, I'm thoroughly enjoying it. I think it meets your needs somewhat. However, I think it may not be nice enough either. I actually have three recommendations for you that I think are in your budget. Uh, mm. One of them is, you know, drive the FRS BRZ. I think you should drive it. I don't know that it's a match. Side note, you asked about the RX-8 and kind of like a little aside, said, why are these so cheap? I'll tell you because put two RX-8 owners side by side, one of them has probably blown up his engine. <laughs> I hate to say it, but that's the reason. That's maintenance um, issues on So those that's cars. the reason that they're cheap is just maintenance problems. That They are fun to drive. They are fantastically quirky. Uh, that, there's no other problem in that regard. It's just that rotary engine is not a normal engine, and it, it suffers problems in the hands of lots of people. So keep that in mind. So, yeah, the FRS BRZ maybe, but I have two others that I think are better matches. But where are you? We do. Uh, have we mentioned the budget yet? Caesar's budget is uh, a bit like 10000 for used, 10k and less for used. And 25k and less for new. And I know you suggested that because he drove the M3, that you know it was 33k, that he might be open to the right car. I'm I'm just thinking that because it's gonna sit a lot, because he's you know city guy, and you know it's gonna just be pulled out on weekends. I don't want you to overspend, but I still want to find you fun, something fun to drive. I also don't think the FRS is for you because of the road trip issue. On a canyon road, you're gonna for- I think that's you're fair. gonna forget all about any you know road noise or engine noise or you know lack of refinement or any of that you're just going to love driving but on a road trip i think you'll really hate yourself for it so i'm going to say no to the frs honestly maybe maybe not i will say this having driven it quite a bit now obviously in kind of normal conditions of course hooning it is fun when you're at 80 80 miles an hour in fourth you kind of can't get past the fact that it's just a loud car inside and it doesn't feel yeah. refined. 80 miles an hour in sixth, not on a hill when it's running at 2,500, three grand, surprisingly quiet and feels decently premium. But, you know, how are you driving the car and what are you wanting to do over time? And uh, my wife, again, who is not short in, in normal female standards, she's 5'7", she discovered, I would have never discovered this, the passenger seat on the FRS BRZ does not raise or lower. Oh, yeah, right. Just she let you know that. that. Yeah. So depending upon, I mean, the, the driver's seat does, but depending upon how high it is, so her initial response to the car, she didn't like it as much as she wanted because she wanted that seat to be higher. So that's a consideration as well if you're talking about taking your girlfriend somewhere. Point. But what what things did you what things did you come up with? I've got for? a few different ones and one that we have not driven and never recommended on the show. I don't know what it's like, but it has the same wow. horsepower. Talk about a wild card. It's a wild card. It has the same horsepower as the Fiesta ST. And it's about the same price. So I'm going to leave you guessing. I'll get okay. there in just a minute. All right. I'm confused, but keep going. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, we have not yet driven the new MX-5. I thought if you wanted to keep it in the Mazda family, at least go test drive that. It's small and nimble. Sure. Uh, we'll have to see how it is for road It'll trip. It'll be 30 by the time it gets but, it. It'll be the 30 yeah, by the that's time the it problem. gets it. But yeah, I take um, your point. I thought about this Hyundai Genesis Coupe, the 2.0, and lo and behold, that engine is no longer available in North America as of 2015. 
So you'd have to go use hmm. to find that 2.0 turbo if you want that car. It's got the recipe. But I think he wants the V6 anyway. I think he wants the V6 anyway in that car. If you're going to go that car, I, th- I, don't I, know. I just don't like the turbo. I don't know. Personally. I'm not convinced. I, I I, I'm not convinced. I think that uh, it could keep the price down, and for as much as he's going to drive it, he might like that turbo punch. I think it could be fun. Maybe. Uh, I Maybe. also thought of this, you know, keeping with Hyundai, the Veloster Turbo, also a car that we have not driven, driven the normal Veloster and liked it for its nimble handling characteristics, but... I think the turbo could it's, be fun. It's better than you'd think, looking at that. Yeah, okay. Could be fun. And then I thought, well, shoot, if we're already spending twenty five, twenty six grand, 2013 Infiniti G37 Coupe is that price, but it might be there you it go. might be too big of a car for him. I'm I'm a little concerned about that. So Well, but here's the thing. In the world of the M3s of the world, I don't think it's going to feel too big. Yeah, maybe uh, not. I agree. It's on the bigger end of what you're talking about. I mean, compared to the 228i, the GTI, and the Fiesta ST, yes, big. Compared to the FRS, going to feel huge. I mean, it weighs almost 1,000 pounds more than the FRS. Right. I mean, it's kind of insane to think about it that way. But I, I, I like that better than the Genesis, frankly, if you're going to go that route. Yeah. Uh, all right. So the fact that you're driving the GTI and the ST suggests to me that you're open to front-wheel drive which I like, and that's just, as you said, an interesting commentary on the fact how good front-wheel drive cars are in, in terms of you know, enthusiast mm-hmm. cars. And so I thought, for something different, just to try it, maybe you don't end up buying it, but maybe just for, for uh, comparison's sake. Where have you gone? Uh, well, this is not the car yet. Uh, I'm thinking... Really? You're I, still... You're, you're so far in the weeds, I can barely no, see you. No, Come on not. back. What's I, going I'm, on? I'm talking about a Mini Cooper S. That's an enthusiast car. It could be fun. It could be interesting. Sure. Okay. Good road yeah. trip car. Good yeah. price. Maintenance could be an issue, but on the other hand, you're not going to be he's, driving yeah. it into the ground. If he's, so... If he's worried about the M3 being a money pit, I think you got to worry about that Mini, too. Possibly. I take your point. All right. So, without further ado, I thought of this car because, again, we haven't driven it. It might be terrible it could suck i don't know but it has 200 horsepower it's a kia believe it or not but i'm trying to save caesar money for something that you know he doesn't drive all the time but still have some power it's a kia forte coupe and that sx has 200 horsepower yeah they're i've 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 driven that it could suck i drove that on the on the track oh yeah press guild a couple years ago and you know what it's it's, uh, yeah, I think it was one of the, the rare years you didn't get to go, but that was, yeah, I drove that. I, I will acknowledge that was a few years ago. So what is the current, I, I don't know what very the latest one, one like? I, yeah. I can't speak to that. But They're not bad You know looking. what? It feels, Starts it, it, I agree, it feels like a Honda Civic SI competitor, which I feel like compared to the other things you've already driven is not going to be focused enough. But I like that you are that far off into new recommendations. That's that's a surprise, man. That's a real surprise. I'm just I'm trying to push it a little bit more. I'm trying to get away from usual suspects okay. because we recommend them a lot and I like the fact that we do and there's we do. every reason that we say go buy or drive or, you know, go love these cars because they are worthy. But I just thought, all right, what else? And just because it's new, comes with warranty and less money. I mean, the SX starts at twenty, almost twenty-one thousand dollars, but still sounds like that it has is a, a lot that of is power, a wild card. Good gas mileage. Certainly go drive it. Uh, I I don't know what it's like. Like I said, it could be terrible. 
you know, for the same price and for the same power, I'm gonna get, go get yourself an ST and be done with it because they're so much fun. But I'm going to get closer to the usual suspects that, than you did. I have two that I want to list okay. that you've heard me list before. All right. And I think both of them are better than the FRS. And I like, here's the things that, 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 that brought me to these two cars. You want to spend between 10000 and 25000 Both of these cars are possible. You want something that has a little bit of a, you know, it needs to be able to road trip, which means when you're sitting in the interior, you don't hate the interior. It's probably got to be a little bit classy. I, this is the problem I think you'd have with the Fiesta ST. I mean, you talk about how much you like everything about the inside of the M3 and everything about the inside of the GTI. That tells me mm-hmm. interior's got to be decent. Two cars to look at in that price range, Honda S2000 and Porsche Boxster. Because if this is going to be your really? weekend fun car, there. look, I'm not a convertible guy, but we're talking road trips and we're fa- talking fun driving. Mm. Both of those cars will be great on a back road. Both of those cars are cars you can put your girlfriend in on a beautiful day, on drop the top, and she will love it too. The interiors of both are decent. Now, the, the S2000 is starting to feel a bit dated. But the Boxster, if you get the 05 and up, that's got a pretty nice interior in it. Great seats. And neither of those are going to break the bank on maintenance. Obviously, the Boxster will be more expensive, obviously, but it's pretty reliable. That platform in general is pretty reliable. So it'll cost more when you need something done, but it's not going to be, I mean, it's going to make the M3 look like the the most expensive car on the planet because the Boxster is just not going to be expensive like that comparatively. I say you need to go drive those two, man, the S2000 and the Boxster with your budget that may check all the boxes because you can have fun and you can also cruise. Yeah, both of those cars will do well, you know, for cruising. I like your recommendations. You know, uh, the S two thousand will be great for maintenance. The Boxster just depends. I mean, you're going to have to shop smart, and I, I mean, Porsches like to be driven. They don't like to sit. Let's put it that way. They don't like to sit True. in garages. Fair they, point. They Fair need point. the fluids flowing through them, and they need the mileage on them to just get settled in. They drive. Well, you remember better. that. You remember that Boxster in that, when I was living in L.A., I was living in that condo, and there was a Boxster that was down in the garage, first-gen Boxster. That guy had Boxster S, and he had a loaded Boxster S, and it was a car. He had another car he commuted in, and this was the car he tried to drive maybe once a month. And unfortunately, because he drove it so rarely, I think once a month was probably being generous. I think he tried to drive it once every few months. Wow. Because it was so rare... And he didn't have it on a trickle charger. When he tried to fire it up, it almost always didn't fire. But I don't think he was actually, I don't think he was trickle charging. It probably should have been. Yeah. And it was just, you're right, those Boxsters, they just, the, the Porsches just like to have their fluids running. I mean, that's nice. Yeah. So if you're going to drive this thing a couple times a month, a couple weekends a month, I think that Boxster would be great for you. But I do take your point. They want to be driven. Good stuff. Uh, I like that. Uh... I like that Cesar is driving a lot, and uh, you know, as I've said before, let us know what you land on because uh, this is—we're kind of all over yeah. here. We've got more recommendations, I think, than usual. And uh, yeah, you're you, you and hey, you're in the weeds. You 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 ran off to Korean cars, which I, I well, doesn't normally happen, but bravo to you. I'm trying. And you to know push what? It. I like that he's he's just shopping for a fun car, and yeah. they have that Mazda three and like it. We should move on to Chris, another one of our Patreon supporters. Chris is in Canada. We've actually talked to him a few times. So hello, Chris. Thank you for writing. And uh, Chris has the disease, the car buying disease. Every four or five years, he says, he just gets the itch for a different car. And what's funny is he's already got a garage of greatness. That's what's crazy about this list. Garage of I mean, greatness. What he's really, I like that. He's literally writing to us and going, guys, am I insane to want to change this up? He's got a 2008 
E90. That is the four-door version of the M3. He's got that. He loves the comfort and the luxury and the fact that it is dual personality. He can take it to the track and hoon it as well. He loves that. He's got a 2000 Integra Type R manual. That is his analog halo car. He has a 2003, noticing a Honda trend, Honda Accord. That is his winter Canada beater car, Carry the Dog. And his fiance has a Honda Fit. So he's kind of covered. It, it, it's he's got like, you know what? He has a car. He has a garage like most skiers have skis. You just see what the weather conditions are and you pick your weapon. This is what Chris's problem is. And his question is: Should I get rid of the M3 for something else? <laughs> he's also owned two other Hondas. He's had the S2000, the 2003 model, and an mm-hmm. 05 RSXS. Both fun cars as mm-hmm. well. I mean, yeah, there's there's Honda loving here, but I I love that M3. Should you get rid of it? Here's the re, here's the thing that he, here's the cars that he's considering. He's thinking about getting yeah. rid of this M3. The budget being fifty thousand Canadian, which I think translates to in the forties ish, US somewhere around there. Just depends on the uh, mm-hmm. exchange rate. And I love this, Chris. <laughs> He's thinking about swapping for a 996-911 Turbo or a Cayman, mm-hmm. a 987 Cayman, the first-gen Cayman S. Cayman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cayman uh, S like you had. Yeah, exactly. I have my opinion. I have my opinion. <laughs> start, start writing in now. Write down your answers to what you think Paul's opinion is <laughs> going to be. I bet my opinion is different than yours, which is also not a surprise. But, uh, but this is really fascinating. And first off, Chris, I want to say this to you. If you love your M3 and it's running well, okay, you have it. It's a manual. It's a Ford. You have a manual Ford or M3 that's kind of a unicorn. If that's running well, I will say this to you. I understand the itch. I get it. I totally understand it. But if that car is great and you can't see any reason to get rid of it, I'm going to go ahead and back your play. There's not really a reason you should. I'm going to explain to you everything else I think you might want to get, that you should maybe go drive and why. But before I do that, I need to caveat and say, really, why not keep the M3? If you're not putting a lot of miles, you're saying putting 7,000 kilometers a year on it? That's nothing. So there, there really is a worthwhile thing for that car is dual personality, and you could just keep enjoying it. I don't think there's anything wrong with that if you wanted to go that route. But let's speak sure. to options. I, I mean, he's got this uh, the 01 Integra Type R, and that's a car that he writes in and says that he drives it somewhat, but he's kind of in the mindset that it's a future, future collectible and wants to keep it really nice. So therefore, he's got the yeah. Accord. He's got the Integra that is kind of – that's not going anywhere. So if he were to play yeah, the occasional cruiser fun car, yeah, if yeah, he yeah. were to mm-hmm. play with you know something else and get into something different, the M3 has to go. So it's if mm-hmm. he keeps the M3, I, yeah, that, it's oh, that's, doubtful he could get of, something different. You know what I mean? Agreed. Of the cars, of the cars on his quiver of automobiles, the M3 is the only flexible yeah. variation. I agree with you. I agree with you. So yeah. Um, so what do you what are you thinking for him? I've got I've got. I've, you know what? I've got four. Four? Uh, one is actually wow. one he's brought up. One, I actually want to talk about one of the ones he's brought up. And then I've got four, and they are various ranges of wild card. I'm not sure if any of them's a match, but I do want to talk about okay. it. Well, it's funny because Chris is writing in, and, and uh, I've had the Cayman, and I've actually considered the E90 M3 going the other direction, which is comical <laughs> to me. I, I've been considering yes, that. Agreed. But here's, here's why I do say go the Porsche route, and that's because I don't see Porsche ownership anywhere in his past car history. Mm-hmm. 
And the fact that, you know, he is used to and likes German cars and is a driver. I mean, mm-hmm. we've talked to this guy on uh, on our Patreon calls. He's gone to Germany. He's he's a driver. And I like the fact that Definitely. he's yeah, yeah. up for this. And I don't see Porsche ownership anywhere. Having driven all the 911s and now having owned the Cayman, I, s- I am all about the Cayman, of course. And if you mm-hmm. were to consider I'm this... I'm surprised. Nobody's surprised. But, Chris, if you were to consider this, I would say the earlier of the the earlier 987.1 that i had was the more raw car when they uh slightly yeah yeah the point two you said was less so a little bit less so but all the you know anything having to do with the ims you know intermediate shaft anything was solved so you're you know no worries Mm -hmm. there they bumped up the power so if you get a manual there it's a brilliant car you could even consider um the Cayman R? Well, I don't know if you could find one of those, but uh, I don't know if you're going to find one of those for the money. That would be but I, even I more hardcore. Yeah, you know, get the manual. I know you would just love that car, and for that reason, because it's a mid-engine car, Porsche aside, if you could do something in the yeah. mid-engine range, whether it's the Cayman, whether it's an Avora, whether it's a, an Elise, somewhere in that range, I think a mm-hmm. mid-engine could do you right. Honestly, I think it could be a lot of fun. Interesting. A healthy Interesting. change. That's the reason we change cars. I'm, I'm gonna honestly just because we want yeah, something you, different. You change it for life yeah. experience and for getting something else different. I mean, as I said to you when you were selling your Cayman, you don't have to sell a car because you hate it, and that was true of me in the Saab. You know that I didn't that sell actually that car because I hated sell. it. You saying that to me actually helped me sell it and let go of it, rather than thinking, oh, I've got to keep this car the rest of my life because it's yeah. the best package ever. It's good. Is it the best car ever? Well, yeah. it's up there certainly, but you know, there's a lot of great cars. There's a lot yeah. of great cars in our future. But that statement well, helped me let go of it. It just helped me think, okay, I've owned it. Let it go. I am a fantastic bad influence. But That's what I am to many, 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 including my son. But, and this could be a great opportunity. Th- yeah, but uh, no one's surprised I'm going to disagree with you here. <laughs> and that is, look, you know I love that cape. Oh, yeah, you know yeah, I do. Yeah. I loved driving it. I'm thrilled that you drove it. I'm thrilled that you had it. Here's the thing. Having driven all the 911s, I'm not a fan of the styling or the interior of the 996 generation. However, the 996 Turbo at this point, because it is the unloved generation of the 911, that car is going to be face-meltingly high performance for the Mm -hmm. money. And if if that's something you're, you're curious about, that is the only, honestly, kind of affordable find in the 911 lineup right now because all of them are climbing, climbing, climbing. So you kind of buy the ugly duckling of the lineup, but you get yourself a performance car find. I think if it was, if you're really debating these two, 996 Turbo or the Cayman S, I would say Turbo all day long. Now, I think the seats are going to be great. The rest of the interior is going to feel like a step down from your M3. Mm-hmm. I'm just not a fan of that interior generation. Yeah, nor am I. Actually. But performance-wise, it's going to be it's going to be killer. But the M3, your discussion of your M3, Chris, has got me really thinking about some other options because the two things you call out that seem very divergent and yet they are so true of the M3. You talk about it having all the luxury features you want, and then. It's great for track days. This is the same sentence, by the way, people. So <laughs> yeah. that the, those those are key realities, and that is a thing that that's what the M3 does better than just about anything is those two things. One of its competitors in those world of hey, this is luxurious and wow, it's good on the track, is the 911. 
So you're good in that regard. And you could say the Cayman too, but that M3 Less is crazy so, powerful. I think yeah. that 911 Turbo, the 911 Turbo would be hot. I have four other ideas, and they all spring from those two divergent uh, concepts in your E90 ownership. All right, let's hear it. Going a little more track, I think you should try to find one and drive it. The Mustang Boss 302. The interiors are stepped down, but if you want to go a little mm. more raw, I'm kind of leaning more toward your Integra Type R here. You're going a little more raw, but that is a genuinely fun car to drive. That feels a little wild card to me. Yeah. But I think it's worth driving because it leans more track. Yeah. I if can you see that. if you like luxury and if you like luxury and powerful, I also have to say this, another wild card. Find yourself a Cadillac CTS V and drive that. Hmm. It's not, I don't think it nails both of the categories quite as well as the M3 does. But just for point of reference, because one of the questions you've asked is, should you keep the M3? I think you've got to drive things that try to do what the M3 does to help you make that decision. And the CTS-V, to me, leads that list. Go drive that car and go, should I keep my M3? That's an interesting thing to debate. It's interesting. But then I have two. Then I have two that I think are, they're wild cards, but based on what you're looking for, I think you'd be happy in either one. One, the Acura NSX. You're a Honda guy. It's not going to be as powerful as your M3, but it has a really nice interior. They are incredibly fun to drive. You get mid-engine, reliable. They're great to look at. I looked them up. In Canada, you could get one for your budget. I actually like that a lot. I, I like that because the I, the boss is nothing close to luxury. It's just going to be a hardcore. It's, it's a, almost a race It's a track car. car. It's a track car. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I like the NSX a lot. That's interesting. You'd have to get something... Uh, yeah, now now you're going to want to spend money and find a really nice one, but <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They're great. And then I have one other one that the only reason it's on here, well, I mean, I think it does a lot of the things that the M3 does. Uh I I know you're going to love you'd love owning it. I think you'd love the luxury features. I think you'd enjoy it if you tracked it. The fact that you have an M3 and you're willing to, for lack of a better way to put it, suffer through the cost of owning an M3 makes me think of this car for you and that is Aston Martin V8 Vantage. Mm, interesting. Can you find it for that price range? Yes. You're going to have to search. You you may be just over 50. You might be 55. But, you know, that's it, it's, it's viable. I mean, you're going early. You're probably going to go 08, 09. It's going to be in the same rough years as your M3. I know those cars are somewhat expensive to maintain. But you know what? An M3 is not cheap, folks. No. So you get yourself a stick shift V8. Get by the way, get the I was stick just going to say that. Get yourself the yeah. stick shift V8 Vantage. I think you'd love. I mean, that car is just fun to be near. Honestly, it's very fun to drive. Watch our review of it from a while ago. It's not the most amazing car to drive ever, ever, but it is in no way bad, and it is just fun. I think you could hmm. track that car. People have written into us joking about tracking that car, and <laughs> and luxury features like crazy. It's going to feel special. So I think the Vantage is worth considering. I really do. I like where you're thinking. I like this. I'm doubtful about finding one for that price, though, because Astons are just, they're Aston Martins. They just have that aspirational cachet price thing going on that it's hard to find one for low price. You might get lucky. I, I like that a lot. I, I like the NSX a lot, too. I'm just afraid that if you get a nice one, you're going to not drive it thinking, oh, it's going to be another investment car like your Integra Type R. Don't drive it. Don't do anything. Okay. And you'd have to, 
you'd have to get over that. If you did get the NSX, you'd have to let yourself mm-hmm. get over that and mm-hmm. just say, you know what, I'm going to drive it. I'm going to maintain it, but I'm just going to drive it and enjoy it because, yeah, yeah even though yeah. the new one's coming out and, you know, you get a real nice example of an NSX, it, it could have that tendency Chris is to go, a Honda Ooh, guy. don't drive it, don't, don't do too much with it. You just, like, go drive it. Go, it's made for that. Yeah. Chris is a Honda guy. I, think I, it, I like it that. It plays into that regard yeah. of it as well. It could be pretty cool. So hopefully, Chris, that was helpful to you. We will see you next month on the uh, the <laughs> yeah. Patron Hangout call. But hopefully after – look, we, we cannot do a half hour anymore to save our lives. That's funny. So uh, guess You're what? Right. All of our episodes are running longer. Uh, but anyway, uh, thank you guys for listening. As always, please do rate this podcast, The Car Debate on iTunes, on Stitcher, wherever you find podcasts, and do share it with friends and others that are curious about cars. By the way, a thank you, because many of you have been rating and giving it uh, comments, and we have noticed, yeah, and so have the analytics. So thanks for that. Of course, you can find our videos every single Thursday on YouTube. EverydayDriver.com slash YouTube is where you can find those. Hey, guys, we've got some uh, a lot of interesting reviews coming up. We're still going to be pushing hard on our comparisons. So that'd be the regular Everyday Driver content. That's still coming up. We've got uh, a lot of press cars in the mix and uh, that coming up. But for Fast Blast kind of stuff, I've noticed that uh, we're getting a lot of shout-outs and traction driving 80s-ish cars, sort of that generation. And we're having fun doing this. So if you have a cool something 80s, like iconic, whatever that is, and, well, if you're Mm -hmm. in Utah, or maybe we could arrange to come to a city near you, we're kind of finding this to be a, an interesting area. Of course, modified cars and that kind of stuff. We're yeah. open to anything. But if you do have suggestions, Facebook for suggestions for Fast Blast, and then for your own car debate, everydaydrivertv at gmail.com. And we're having a lot of fun. This is interesting debate. You came up with some good stuff. I, I say uh, kudos to you for this one. This is, uh, this is really good. I'm trying. I, I, I'm I trying. really like it because, of course, I'm going to default to Porsche but I, I like your suggestions a lot. Chris, if you can manage that one, I can't wait to see it on the, uh, on the Patreon call. So anyway, thank you guys. As always, we really appreciate it, and talk to you next week. 